Last week we talked about intercession. Today I want to talk about travail. I, I'd really never preached on travail or intercession. But uh, I want to talk a little more about travail today that goes along with intercession. Father, we thank you for your word today. And Lord, we ask that you open our ears, give us ears to hear, and a good ground in our heart to receive your word so that it will bring forth fruit for your kingdom. And Father, we thank you for your word today. And we just ask you bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah chapter 66. Oh, thank you, Lord. Verse 6. A voice of noise from the city, a voice from the temple, a voice from the Lord that rendereth recompense to his enemies. Now look in verse 7. Before she travailed, she brought forth. Before her pains came... She was delivered of a man child. Who hath heard such a thing? Who hath seen such a thing? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day, or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth children. See, that sounds like a contradiction a little bit. We talked about that a little bit in coffee shop today. But you know what? This first part here, I want you to see something about the kingdom of God. You know, we talked in coffee shop. Before Adam and Eve sinned, birth was a little different than after. Right? Now I want you to see something here. Before she travailed, she brought forth. Before her pains came, she was delivered of a man child. Who does that sound like? Christ. Now I want you to see, who have heard such a thing? Shall an earth be made to bring forth in one day? Shall a nation be born at once? You know, when you think about that, when did the kingdom come? To us, a son is given. To us, a child is born. And of the kingdom of his, of, of the increase of his uh, government and peace, there's no end. When did it come? When he was born. It was manifest when he was baptized and started. But when he came, that nation was born, that kingdom came right then. But then it moves on down into as soon as Zion travailed. Travail is a part of birthing that comes in the natural we think of. And he says in verse 9, Shall I bring forth and not cause to bring forth, saith the Lord? Shall I not cause to bring forth and shut the womb, saith God? Now this is what he says. After the birth, he says what? Rejoice with Jerusalem. See? Rejoice with Jerusalem. Be glad with her, all you that love her. Rejoice for joy, all you that mourn for her. That you may suck and be satisfied with the breast of her consolations. That you may milk out and be delighted with the abundance of her glory. For thus saith the Lord, I will extend what? Peace to her like a river. And the glory of the Gentiles, that's us, saints, like a flowing stream. Then they shall suck and be born upon her sides and dangle upon her knees. As one whom his mother comforts, so will I comfort you, and you will be comforted in Jerusalem. Now, who's that? God's going to comfort us on his knees. Is that a good deal or what? And when you see this, your heart will what? Rejoice, and your bones will flourish like the herb, and the hand of the Lord shall be known towards his servants, but his indignation towards his enemies. And we probably don't want to go down there. From there on, it gets a little rougher. But I want you to see something. As soon as Zion travailed, it brought forth children. You know, God is a creator. He's not a manufacturer. And there's certain processes in the creation. 
You know, when you have a child come into this world, there's a process that has to happen. Now, in the spiritual realm, it says, as soon as we travail, it brings forth a child. But what has to happen before the travail? A pregnancy. And before the pregnancy, what? Conception. And before the conception, what? A seed. See, the seed, Jesus said, is the word of God. It's the kingdom. When that seed is sown in our hearts, and like it says in Matthew 13, when it falls in that good ground, it begins what? Mark 4 says that it brings forth of the earth, first the blade, then the corn, and then the full kernel in the corn. There is that process of receiving that seed that moves to conception, that moves to, pre- to pregnancy, then there's a birth or a rebirth of something God puts in your heart. And as soon as that birth comes forth, there's rejoicing. But there's sometimes travail before that gets there. We sang some songs today. I want you to know something. There's a few things happening in the world today. There is a groaning going on in the world today. That's Romans 8 if you want to read about it. And we may get to that in a minute. But you know, I want us to see that. He said, delight with her because of the rebirth that's happening. Look with me in Luke 22. We're going to look at a place where Jesus travailed before his, his resurrection, before his rebirth, as it's uh, pointed out. In uh, Luke chapter 22, let's start in verse 35. I want to hear that part again, too. And he said to them, when I sent you, out with, with a, when I sent you without a purse, a script, shoes, did you lack anything? And they said nothing. He said, then he said, but now. What did he say, what? But now. He that hath the purse, let him take it. Likewise, he that hath a script or a bag with food, take it. And if you don't have a sword, you better sell your garments and buy one. Now, I said that to somebody the other day. That's not in the Bible. Yes, it's in the Bible. For I say unto you that the things which is written must yet be accomplished in me. And he was reckoned among the transgressors. For the things concerning me have an end. He was reckoned, Isaiah 53, 12, among the transgressors, and he made intercession for the saints. And he ever lives to do what right now? Make intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And so what he's saying there is, this is the picture. When I was here, I took care of you. But just for the next three days, I can't take care of you because I'm going to become one of you. And I'm going to have to go through a lot of suffering in those three days. So me and your own, your own. If you're hungry, you better take your food. And he says, by the way, you better buy a sword because you're going to have to protect yourself. I can't protect you. And then he went into the garden. See, then he comes. Then we get down to something here where he began to travail. And he came out and went as it was into the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. And when he was there in that place, he said to them, pray ye that ye enter not into temptation. What did he say? Pray, our, our Father. Thy kingdom come, your will be done. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from all that. He says, pray. And he withdrew from them about a stone's cast and kneeled and prayed. And he said, Father, if ye be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, what? Agony. He prayed more earnestly. And sweat as it were great drops of blood falling down on the ground. And when he rose up in prayer, he came to his disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he says, why sleep? Rise and pray lest you enter into temptation. I want you to see something. He was in agony. What does it say in Isaiah 53, 
Verse 11. God shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. The what of his soul? Travail. He was in agony. He was travailing in his soul. Why? For he's fixing to give birth to a new soul for us. He was in travail. See that principle. Jesus went through that principle of travailing. He had to go through that before. There had to be that before the rebirth into a brand new resurrected life. And that's the principle of a lot of things God gives us. There's that time of the seed, the conception, the birthing of that thing. And then sometimes, how many of you know, I've got a few friends that just kind of disown me because of this exchange thing. Can you believe that? Pastor friends? Oh, we're still cordial. We talk and visit. But uh, they're not on the same page. There's things happen. There's persecution comes when God shows you something that's not according to the past. I mean, there is a suffering that comes with birthing some. I remember Bob Mumford said this. He says, your first response to new truth is always negative. It usually hits you wrong when you first hear it until you start digging it out and seeing. And that's what was going on here with, with Jesus. He had to pay that. He had to travail in the garden because of the other garden. And he said, not my will, but yours be done. And we see that agony that he went through. And so... In Hebrews 9.14, there's, there's a principle I want us to see here. Uh, let me just go ahead and turn here. Hebrews 9.14. He's talking about the blood of bulls and goats that doesn't do anything for the flesh. In verse 14, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offer himself without spot, Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. How did Jesus do all of this? How did he do that? Through the eternal spirit. I want you to see something. Jesus never did anything apart from the Holy Spirit. Not one thing. He even said in Matthew 12, If I cast out devils by the Holy Ghost, who do your children cast them out? How does he cast devils out? By the Holy Ghost. And it says, If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, it will quicken your mortal body. He was resurrected by the Holy Ghost. So it was through the eternal spirit that he was able to offer himself without spot to God and purge our conscience from dead works to what? Serve the living God. So we see it's through. And what does the Holy Spirit do sometimes? It's through the Holy Spirit he offered him. Everything he did was through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that gave him the travail. Romans 8. What is Romans that says that the Holy Ghost, it says uh, that he prays for us, he travails for us with words that cannot be uttered. And he that searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. But the Holy Ghost travails for us with words that cannot be uttered. And it was the Holy Ghost that gave Jesus to travail to go through that rebirthing process so he could be made alive forevermore. Because, let's look with me in Colossians chapter 1. It had to happen for him so that it could be for us. Colossians chapter 1. And I want to, to read in about verse uh, 18. says, And he is the head of all the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn. What was he? The firstborn? The what? Firstborn. Does that mean there's more? Firstborn from the dead that in all things he might have the preeminence. 
For it pleased the Father that in him should all the fullness dwell. In Revelation chapter 1, I want to read verse, uh, verse 5. It says, From Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness. He was what? A faithful witness. And that word's martyr. Martyr. And the first begotten of the dead. The prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sin in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God the Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. See, all the first thing, he had to be that faithful witness, had to be the first begotten, the prince of the kings of the earth. He did all that for us. He was the first among many that was to come later. There is no birth. I remember, I'm just thinking about a scripture in 1 Peter 4. And it says, if Jesus suffered for us, verse 1, I think it is, if Jesus suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh, travailed in the flesh, has ceased from sin. That he should no longer live the rest of his life in the lust of the old man, but in the resurrection to the new man. In essence, that's what it says. But there is a suffering and a travailing that goes with the old man, Right? There is that part that goes with that travailing that has to go forth. You know, in Jesus, we see in, in Isaiah chapter 30, <clears throat> God was trying to get Israel to return. Look with me in, in Jeremiah chapter 30. And uh, it just began to kind of open up some things here. In Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 1 through 3, The word came to Jeremiah the Lord, saying, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, saying, Write thee all the words I have spoken. And he says, into a book. For lo, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will bring again the captivity of my people Israel and Judah, saith the Lord, and I will cause them to return. Now, catch that cause. To the land that I will give to their fathers, and they shall possess it. And these are the words that the Lord spake concerning Israel and concerning Judah. See, there is that travailing. But look with me in Jeremiah 16. I will cause them to come. You know how many times have you read about God said to the children, it says, we read it one this morning in Isaiah 30, verse 15, where it says, in returning and rest shall you be saved, in quietness and confidence shall you be your strength, but you would not. Many times it says they would not. You got that, would not? In Jeremiah chapter 16, he says, Behold, I will send many fishers, said the Lord, and they shall fish them. Now, that was the Zionist in 1939 that went through Europe trying to get the Jews to come back to Israel. And then he said, And after that I will send many hunters, and they will hunt you from every mountain and from every hill out of the holes of the rocks. Why is Israel, why is the children of Israel back in Israel today? I'll tell you why. There was a travail. Israel would never have gone back. The Jews would never have gone back to Israel had it not been for the Holocaust. He says, I will cause them to return. Now, if that's true, what's the scripture say in Romans? First to the Jew and also to the Greek. Here's a pattern. What's it going to take for the church to do what God's asked us to do? If it was a holocaust for the Jews, you think maybe there might be a holocaust ahead for the church? 
if we don't do what he says? Because he's going to... How many of you know he's God? How many of you know he thinks he's God? And he's going to do whatever he wants to do, and it's going to happen. It doesn't matter whether we think it should or we want to resist it or whatever. How many of you know it's still going to happen? Amen? I will cause them to come back. Now, I know that's a pretty heavy word, but I don't believe the Jews would have ever gone back. It was too comfortable. And I believe some time the church is a little too comfortable. Woe unto them that are ease in Zion. Now, that don't mean recliner. There's a difference between being in a recliner and being at ease. If you don't know the difference, you need to make an appointment with me. Come see me. There is a difference. And we see that, that that's happening. And here it, it said here in Jeremiah chapter 3, God told him to come back to the land. Come back, but they didn't do it. And uh, looking at that, you know, let's, let's go back. Let me, uh, while we're here, go back to chapter 30. I want to show you something. How many of you know just because they went back to Israel, it wasn't all peaches after that? You think there was a, still some more travail and stuff that went on? In, in Jeremiah 30, now look what he says now. Uh, verse 4, And these are the words that the Lord spake concerning Israel and Judah. Thus saith the Lord, We have heard a voice of trembling and of fear and of not of peace. Ask ye now and see whether a man doth travail with child. A what does? A man. Wherefore do I see every man with his hands in his loins, and there's a woman in travail, and her face is turned in paleness. Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it, even a time of Jacob's trouble. But he shall be saved out of it. He shall be saved what? Not from it, but what? Out of it. Do you see God's principle? See, there's going to, even though they came back, there's still going to be a suffering as in travail. But God's going to deliver them out of it. Whew. Then he says, I'm going to break the yoke, and I'm going to burst the bonds. Boy, I'm always glad he's always, when he's got that hard word, he's always right back there with that other good word to encourage us. Aren't you? Now look with me in Matthew chapter 24. This is where it gets a little more towards what's going on now. In Matthew 24... Matthew 24, verse 6. They asked him when the time of his coming, when he'd come back. And he said, don't be deceived. Many will come in my name and deceive many. And he says, you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and famines and pestilence and earthquake in divers places. And all of these are the beginning of sorrow or travail. It's just the beginning of the travail that's going to happen. One of the things we're talking about in, in chapter, in verse 5 here, I want you to see something there. He said, many will come in my name, saying, I'm the Christ, and deceive many. That's not exactly what you think there. He says, there's going to be many people come in my name saying, I'm a Christian, brother, and they're still going to deceive many. Have you seen that happen a few times? Now, he did say there'd be false Christ and false, uh, you know, prophets come on the scene, and they're going to show great signs and wonders. 
But see, what he's saying there, many is going to be deceived. My kids are going to be deceived and lead many astray. And we're talking about, and, and Paul even told the elders at the church of Ephesus, he said, after my departure, said, grievous rules come in. He says, of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. You know, we're talking about a little leaven does what? Leavens the whole lump. And we said, rat poison is 99% good grain. It's only that one little percent that'll kill you dead. Right? So that, that potential is there. But it's the beginning of what? Birth pains. And uh, as we see that, he was declaring all of that. You know, this began... As the church went into the dark ages, all the fivefold ministry was done away with completely. It was replaced by a false priesthood for many, many years. And there began to be that travail. It happened. And uh, Martin Luther was the first part of that travail. And how many of you know it cost? That birth cost something. And Martin Luther brought back the pastoral ministry. And so that was the starting of that beginning of Reformation to recognize the fivefold ministry again. Over 200 years later, the Wesley brothers brought back the evangelist. Amen? All right. Then the Pentecostal and the latter rain bunch restored the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that good? And then us charismatics come along, and what was the whole focal point of the charismatics? Teachers. All the men I listened to were teachers. They brought the teaching gift back, Right? Now, a few years ago, I was part of that, got to go see that. In Colorado Springs, they had the, the prophetic ministry thing there in Colorado Springs where all the prophetic guys come, and once more, the prophetic giftings was recognized, and it just began to spring up all over the body of Christ. At the same time, the deliverance ministry came back, and I was privileged to watch thousands of people that had made fun of Frank Hammond for all those years, because of his book, Pig in the Parlor, stand up and give him a standing ovation. I saw that with my own eyes. And then they had the apostolic conference hot on the heels of that. So the fivefold is being restored, and it, it, it is a birthing process trying to bring that back in to that what it, what it lost. You know, as you see that, you know, one of the things that, that uh, I noticed, that the restoration of the fivefold ministry has been restored in reverse order as it was originally given. The apostle was the last, the prophet. To catch that, it's been restored. And that's when Jesus was saying, all these things are going to have to happen he says they would be false prophets and they would be false to deceive even elect if possible. And one of the things we have to remember, Matthew 13, there will always be tares among the wheat. There is no way you're going to get rid of the tares. Jesus said just leave them alone because by their fruits you're going to know them. Just leave them alone to the harvest. They will be separated at the harvest. How do we know when we see these things if it's of God or not? Look with me in John chapter 7. Uh, let's see, let's look at verse six, 16. 
My doctrine is not mine, but him that sent me. If any man will do the Father's will, he will know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory. But he that seeketh his glory that sent him, the same is true, and there's no unrighteousness in him. The way you can tell if something's from God or not of God, whose glory is it? Who's, who's getting the glory? Are they seeking their own glory? Or are they seeking the glory of the one that sent them? He said, by the fruits, you'll know them. And I just want to tell you right here, that don't mean everybody that's out there is, is bad. They don't understand the old man and the new man. And that old man is centered in self, and it always will be until they get delivered and set free. And that's where a lot of this comes from. So we can see that. It's rooted in what? Self-seeking, self-promotion. And it will always surface in those who are self-appointed. This is why he said, by their fruits, you'll know them. So, you know, the apostolic ministry, even though I saw it be established, even there was some turmoil while it's been established. Because you know why? The apostles and prophets have been rejected for a lot of years through the church, mainly by the pastors. Because they didn't know how to deal with them. So the best way to deal with them is hit the dough. We don't need you here. Hit the dough. But see, this is what happened. Because of all those hurts and rejections, you know, it says the, the foundation of the church is laid by the apostle and prophets. So I saw a lot of trying to get the authority back to the church that the churches didn't let them have. There was a lot of reactions to those hurts. But see, what God's done... He's going to bring a full restoration of this thing because what, what happens, the true apostles and prophets, they're not interested in authority. They're interested in ministry. A true apostle and the prophets is not here to straighten everybody out. It's here to lay the foundation that should have been laid to start with, Jesus Christ and him only. And it will be rooted in exchange. Because I want to tell you something about exchange. There is no place to glory in exchange. If it's been given to you, why do you glory as if you earned it? There is no place, like Paul said. I'd like to talk to you Christians in, in Corinth as spiritual men, but you're mere men. You're carnal. There's envy, strife, and jealousy and division among you, and you're walking as mere men. As long as that is the root, jealousy, envy, and strife, it's going to be a ministry of what? confusion, jealousy, and it's old man stuff. I don't care where you... That's what Mike Lyons was saying. He probably listened to those guys a long time until he figured out it was old man, right? And they don't know that. See, it's not being critical. It's just the fact they don't know the difference. And if you don't know, you don't know. Amen? Oh, hallelujah. Where do I go? Mm. By their fruits... But all these things is going to happen. You know, one of the things I believe is why God's setting all this up the way he is. You know, he is coming back after a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. And one is looking for him. And when all of this thing gets set up in the fivefold ministry, the way it was supposed to be, what was the end result of that? That we might come into the fullness of Christ. See, then the head will be joined to the body and we will worship in spirit and truth. For over 2,000 years, the Son of Man has been seeking a place to lay his head. That's his body. And it's been messed up. The primary purpose of the apostolic member uh, ministry is the restoration of Jesus as the head of the church. 
That works for me. You know what? I'm going to just jump ahead here. You know, that's one of the verses. Ephesians 4.11 is one of the verses, probably been preached as many as that, that I know of in the teaching of the charismatic movement. He gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the work of the ministry. And we see that, that that's where he's going to resurrect and make the, put that thing in the right perspective. You know, I was telling the, the guys this morning, those that forget history are doomed to repeat it. It's better to learn from others' mistakes than have to go through them ourselves. I mean, give me an amen on that. And one of the things it says about mystery, Babylon, and Revelation says this system is the fruit of the same era being generated in the church from generation to generation. The Tower of Babel, now listen to me, is the delusion of selfish ambition. It comes from the same lie in the garden that we can be like God without God. We can be like God, what? Without God. The men there thought they could make it to heaven by their own might and power by building the tower. The church, the same spirit of Babylon is in the church today. Now, I'm not saying this critically, but I want you to hear what, it, what this says. The church has continually tried to do the same thing. Oh, come to our church. Let us build for ourselves a city, a tower, whose top will reach to heaven. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Come on, come to my church. So basically, I can feel better about myself if all these pews are filled. And I can be secure and happy because i got a full church. And by the way, I want you to stay here so I can make a name for myself. And you've got to stay here. I don't want you scattered all over the place. See, that's that spirit of Babylon. And the only problem is that's built by the old man without his help. So we can make a name for ourselves. Oh, we wouldn't say that, but that's the root of that thing. That, and once more, how can I prove that? Well, it started out right, but after what Paul said to the church at Ephesus and the different ones began to do their own thing, God saw the church the same as the Babylon, and he scattered them everywhere. And right now we've got over 20,000 different denominations that says, come to my place so we can make a name for ourselves. And the charismatic, non-denominational church is no different than the rest. I want to tell you, it ain't about building a name for ourselves. He has the name that's above every name. It's all, if it ain't in him, it ain't. Everything is summed up in him. He is the first, the last, the beginning and the end. And I'm telling you, if you don't see everything you have in him, you don't have anything. And that's why it's, we've got to grow up into the fullness and see that all the fivefold ministry gifts, all of those are our ministry gifts to help the body of Christ to see who we all are together. And one of these days, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Now, one of the things that Jesus said in, in Revelation, he said, he said, I saw that woman, the Babylon spirit there, 
drunken with the blood of saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And he says, come out of her, my people. For verse 7 says, Revelation 18, 7, how much she has glorified herself. What is the glory really coming from? Who's it to? Herself. See, that's where you can really tell where this stuff's coming from. Is it glorifying him or is it glorifying ourselves? Those are two different kingdoms. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Now, and I know this is on the Internet, and, you know, they're just going to have to forgive me. But I want to tell you something. It's not about building their own thing. It's building his kingdom. Because it's the gates of hell will not prevail against what? His kingdom. And so we see, you know, travail is happening. But why? What is going on in the world today in our government and everything else? He said in Hebrews, I'm going to shake everything that can be shaken. And if judgment first started the church, and if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the sinners and ungodly appear? I'm going to shake everything that can be shaken so that that which cannot be shaken will remain. And it says we have a kingdom that cannot be shaken, eternal in the heavenlies. See, and that kingdom is Christ. When he came, he came to establish his kingdom. Even at 12 years old, what did he say to his mom and dad? Don't you know I must be about my father's business? He came to establish a kingdom. Now, one of these days when it's all over, it says he's going to make everything new. There'll be a new heaven and a new earth, and God's going to dwell with us. But he says, I make all things new. He's not interested in making anything over again. He's interested in making all things new. Now, I didn't get to it. I ran out of time. But Romans chapter 8 says, All creation is travailing in pain, groaning now. Earthquakes, all the junk that's going on. All creation is groaning and travailing in pain now, waiting for a birthing of the sons of God. What is that? That's kingdom guys, men and women of the kingdom. It's waiting for a rebirth to be delivered from the body of what? Corruption. Into the glorious liberty of the sons of God. See, that liberty is in the new man. That liberty is the new creation in Christ. And all of creation is waiting. See, you know what? One of these days there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And you know what I believe? I believe part of this old creation that's been cursed, is going to get to be a part of that new creation. They've suffered, the creation has suffered long enough because of our sin. It wants to be delivered from this thing, the curse of man. And so I don't know how all that works, but I know he does. And I know he's a just God. But we see God wants to give us more. And, and it starts from a seed. He gives you one word, a seed. Then that seed conceives in your heart. Then that seed, you become pregnant with that thing in your life. And then the first thing you know, you're, you're just consumed with that thing because all you can see is what's out there in front of you. <laughs> then all of a sudden, these pains start. Amen. And then all of a sudden, it gives birth to this thing. And now you know God's in charge of the birth. So just be faithful. Let God expand you and grow you. And we're on, we're on a good journey, I can just tell you that. And so, Father, we just thank you for this day, and we thank you, Lord, that 
We don't understand all of it. We understand one thing. You're in charge of all of it. And it's your desire that the kingdom come and your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, I just ask you to help us to, to enjoy your, your seeds of truth. And we just, as Mary said, Lord, be it unto me according to your, your will. Lord, if we could just learn to say that and not react and reject, but we say, Lord, be it unto me according to your will. And Lord, see these things birthed in our lifetime, Lord. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. You're dismissed.